Hello and welcome to the match preview via the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Newcastle welcome AC Milan to St James's Park in the final game of this season's Champions League so-called Group of Death. The Magpies lie in third and Milan in fourth, both on five points. And if either side wins and PSG are beaten by Dortmund in Germany, the knockout stage beckons. Both teams are struggling with injuries and it'll be a hard one to call, although there is hope Newcastle's home form can pull them through. I'm Andrew Musgrove, and as usual, I'm joined by John Gibson. This is the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Please like and share the episode. Let's get on with the show. John, welcome. I hope you're well. A big game on Wednesday night. Uh, we'll make it clear that we're recording this ahead of Eddie House press conference on Tuesday evening. So you never know how it might reveal something groundbreaking. Doubtful, but you never know. Um, so just do bear that in mind with anything that we're talking about. We have to start, John, with the view from some that Martin Dubravka could miss out on Wednesday night with Loris Karius, again, I say by some, tipped to start. Reports that Dubravka has been carrying a shoulder injury and he wasn't pictured in today's training session. So, if he misses out and Karius starts, what are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking that uh, I just cannot believe it. Forget about uh, how good or not Dubravka is how his current form is suspect or not, having let in seven goals in two games. And I'm certainly not blaming him entirely for that. But can you believe it? I mean, with all the injuries we've got, you can't believe you lose your number one goalkeeper, Pope, to a shoulder injury, which looks innocuous at the time it happens, and then to perhaps lose your number two and resort to the, the keeper that's only game for Newcastle was another massive do-or-die game, the League Cup final at Wembley, when uh, I didn't feel he was uh, at fault. But let's be truthful, there's a pecking order in every position. And Dubovka's not one, Pope's one. So Dubovka's a step down, Carriers is a step down from that, and Gillespie's a step down from that again. We do not need that extra burden going into this match, mind, if having to play our number three goalkeeper. However well he may do uh, on the night, etc., it puts doubts in the mind of the crowd and it puts doubts in the mind of the back four. And we're sick of doubts. We're looking at people that might be coming back immediately or in the new year. We don't want to look at losing someone else again. It is getting nonsense. I mean, even without the reported injury to Martin Dubravka, some have made the call that it should be Carrius anyway. You don't sound like you'd be on that train of thought. No, um, I haven't been overwhelmed by Dubravka's form. Um I've been a tad disappointed. He couldn't have picked two worse matches in a way to come into with the side decimated the way it is and they're both being away matches rather than at home. He hasn't covered himself in any glory. There's no question that Pope is a step above and it's quite easy to see why we bought Pope. But I don't want to keep going down the pecking order. Please, I mean, the, the, the pressure on Dubrovka is going to be high because he's let in seven goals in two games, and this game is so important. But can you imagine what's going to be like on Carrius if he goes in after what happened with Liverpool in Europe and, and he faces a, a do-or-die Europe situation with us? I Just on the law of averages, on the way things are, I do not want any more problems. Please, I do not. And quite frankly, I'm decimated enough about Pope not being there without having to decide between Dubrovka and Carriers. Um, and the way things stand, Andrew, we could well be looking at a goalkeeper very much in the transfer window or even before the transfer window when you get people that are, uh, are available. But um, yeah, we've got enough problems. We certainly don't want another. Now, if... Uh, Eddie decided to drop Dubravka for carriers, then that is a decision of the club. I don't think for one moment he'll do that, incidentally. Um, but that's a decision for the club. But to have that decision taken out of his hands and play your third-choice goalkeeper with your fourth-choice goalkeeper, Gillespie, on the bench, we are really down for a match which decides our whole future in Europe. We're either still in the Champions League, in the Europa Cup, out of Europe completely. 
all on an hour and a half here and an hour and a half in Dortmund. We don't want that muddied any further than it already is. I mean, after the game against Spurs, Eddie Howe said we, we can't afford any more injuries, but we'll wait and see uh, just what's happened with Martin's breath. Like we say, we're recording this ahead of his press conference, Eddie Howe's press conference, about four, half four. So we will see what he says because inevitably he will be asked about it. Also, not pictured in training, John, was Sean Longstaff and Anthony Gordon. And look, the reason could be innocent. They could be have been working on a pitch behind the camera. Uh, Eddie Howe could be keeping them you know, wrapped up in cotton wool. Again, he'll be asked about it. Will he give an answer that you 100% fully believe? Not quite. But let's deal with both circumstances. If Gordon is missing, John, that is a huge blow because he's been Newcastle's best player of late. Of course. I mean, I, oh, there's no question about that. But, you know, we've had people not on camera before and read far too much in it. Not you and I. I mean, the general Geordie public of which we... Both of us are. Um, but we've had that before. I mean, whenever Will, it's amazing that Wilson's appeared on photographs. He's normally training by himself, isn't he? So he's not on shots. And everybody hangs everything on the, on the training shots. Well, you don't get all 20 players in the training shots. Inevitably, somebody's away doing something else. And so I wouldn't read too much into that. People will, because where's Dubrovka and Longstaff's just come back and Gordon's so vital. So people will. I mean, the loss of anybody at the moment is is critical because we're in such a bad state. I mean, but, you know, we've got to hope. I mean... Gordon didn't look the player he was at Spurs. But then who did? Who did? It was one of those days where we were literally, everybody was running on empty and some were worse than others. But nobody was really at the races. Um, what we've got to hope, and I am attaching all my hope tomorrow night on the Toonami. Because I think they make the difference to Newcastle United in this current crisis. They make the difference anytime, anywhere, because they're so fabulous and they're so, uh, make so much noise, give so much support. I reckon Newcastle get between 20 and 40% at the moment more off the crowd play. And I think they get over their tiredness for an hour and a half when they're at home simply because of the crowd. The crowd pick them up, love them, give them a huge cuddle for an hour and a half and almost propel them over the, the finish line. And my one hope on this do-or-die day is the fact that the game is at St James's Park and it is not in Milan. And that's where the hope is. And I'm looking for the, the fans to do that for us again. If you look at the two records in the Premier League, and it's not as simplistic as this, I know, but... 701 at St James's Park, 125 away in the Premier League. And that is the difference, the crowd here. The crowd here helped get us a result against Paris Saint-Germain. And, and I know that they didn't against Dortmund, and I was so impressed by the Dortmund fans, by the way, with the drum and all. I think they stole a march on us and, and set up their victory with their players I'm talking about. Uh, no question about this, but I'm... I'm expecting St James's Park to revert to being a fortress on Wednesday night. Everything hangs on this. The players know, Eddie knows, the fans know, everybody knows. So I'm looking for one more Herculean effort because the Newcastle United I've seen play in the last two games, lost 3-0 in 4-1, is not the Newcastle United I know. I can understand why it's happened, but if we put on a performance like that again, we lose. But I, I am of the opinion that we won't. And my main reason for saying that is the crowd. Mm -hmm. I mean, anyone that watched the scenes after the Spurs game and the reception that the players got from the fans who travelled down to the capital, you know, if you're a player, you can't but help be motivated and inspired by that. No one's doubting the commitment and effort they put in against Spurs. But I think when you walk over, you've just been badly beaten again on the road and you look at these fans jumping up and down like they've won a cup, you know, you will want to up your level um, even, even further on Wednesday night. And you're right that the fans have a massive part to play. They are the energy boost 
that has got the players through some tough games and recently Arsenal, Manchester United and, you know, it is that cliche 12th man in the Fortress St. James's Park. And, um, yeah, they are going to be crucial. Um, we mentioned Sean Longstaff, John. If Sean Longstaff is fit, does he come straight into the side? Yes. Uh, and the reason I say that is because Newcastle have played unchanged, apart from the keeper, in five games. And it's shown, you know, Andrew, it's shown in the last two games, they've looked dead on their feet. Not in the last half an hour. They've looked dead on their feet from the kickoff. They have looked absolutely mentally and physically exhausted. And in my humble opinion, in my humble opinion, it doesn't matter, only Eddie Howes matters, but in my humble opinion, we cannot go unchanged outfield 10 again. That would be catastrophic, I honestly feel. We have got to find some wiggle room, and we've got a little wiggle room with Wilson and Longstaff, or we hope we have, if they're both okay. Uh, we've got a little bit of wiggle room there. It's not ideal. They, they're they not capable of doing an hour and a half in a high-tempo game, and surely Milan will be a high-tempo game, but we've got to start them. We have been playing players that aren't capable of doing that. Isaac, he hasn't looked like Isaac. Is it somebody that's masquerading as Isaac that we've been watching for the last four or five games? I don't blame him. He's had an injury. He's come back. He's been forced to play 90 minutes every game until Spurs come along because we haven't had Wilson, etc., etc. But you look at that. That's not Isaac. That's not Almiron. That wasn't Gordon against Spurs. Um, you look at it. That's not Trippier. You look at these guys and it's not the people we know because they're so exhausted. He has got to do some changes for this game. And the two obvious ones that gives you a chance is Wilson and Longstaff. After that, it's a matter of deciding, do you gamble on a hole? Do you gamble on Dummett? Do you gamble on, on someone else? I'm not so certain. But those two, you've got to get them on the field from the start. We're about to welcome our special guest into the studio, Lorenzo Bertoni, who's uh, editor of Football Italia. Just before we do welcome Lorenzo onto the show, if Longstaff is given the nod, John, and he's fit, it would likely be Lewis Miley to drop out, which would yes. be slightly harsh considering the form of late of the young lad. No, I know what you mean. And yes, it, you could well say that, but I think the young lad will benefit hugely by a slight rest. Um, I always talk to Supermac, and I'm not putting him up as the king of necessarily of what to do and what not to do, but just chatting when we have about Fulham. And when he was manager of Fulham, what he was great at was developing kids. Paul Parker came from nowhere, played for him, got a transfer to Manchester United, won about 15 cups and played for England 19 times. So he knew, you know, and he said you'd put kids in, he would put kids in, they would go off if they had the ability, like Paul Parker, like Lewis Miley, they'll go off, bang, 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 look terrific, show their potential, everything happens. Then they temporarily hit a little brick wall, you pull them out, when you put them back in, off they go again because they're quality. And I think Miley is probably at that situation. He's also going to suffer by the people around him. He looks around him and he sees Bruno and he sees Big Joe and he sees Isaac and he sees Trippier and he thinks, I'm all right here. But he isn't because it's not Trippier and, and it's it's not Gordon. It's a, not the 100% guy. So he's not getting the help off the ball either. And a little rest. And by the way, he'll, he'll probably come on for, if he does go out, he'll come on for long stuff sometime in the second half there. And, and again with Fulham on Saturday, it would be in no way a condemnation. And I would smack anybody's bottom that said he had been dropped because no, he had not been dropped if he's been left out. He is being rested for his own good in this boy's quality. It would not be any reflection whatsoever. But I think that he wouldn't suffer by just being pulling out of that line. Because you'll see him at his best when Newcastle start going again. I mean, you know, when the rest of them are, are, are up like the team we know. So it would only be a temporary thing. Right? Well, Lewis Miley's to the show, Lorenzo Batoni, editor of Football Italia. Lorenzo, hope you're well. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we've been talking in recent weeks about Newcastle suffering an injury crisis, but it's fair to say 
Milan are going through one as well. Can you just talk us through uh, the similarities and what, what's been going on with Milan in recent weeks? Yeah, I mean, with Milan, the biggest problem is is especially the back because Fekayo Tomori is the only centre-back available they have, really. Um, all the other players in central defence, they're out. Uh, Malik Cho is injured. Pierre Calulu is injured. Um, Simon Kier is injured. They haven't been training with the team uh, um, even on Tuesday morning of the, on the of, the, of the game, so they're not expected to travel to Newcastle. Uh, Milan uh, played the last two games with uh, basically just one centre back available, and uh, um, Thierry Hernandez joining tomorrow in central defence. Uh, there were highs and lows because they won the first game three one at San Siro against Frosinone, but then uh, uh, the second against Atalanta they lost it three two, and. This was kind of a more important test for the Rossoneri because Atalanta, they're not like top, top side, but at least they are a club playing European football. They're a club playing attacking football. They have a style, which is similar to what I think Milan can expect in Newcastle uh, on Wednesday. So uh, it, it was kind of concerning, of course, to, to concede three goals in a game with um, with Theo Hernandez in, uh, uh, in central defence. Uh, um, David Calabria, the captain, was sent off against Atlanta as well. Of course, he's going to be available against uh, um, against Newcastle. You could see him playing as a centre back as well. I guess, uh, like sometimes he's going to play as a centre back, sometimes it's going to be Theo Hernandez. For now, it's been mainly Theo Hernandez. But uh, these are the main issues Milan are having. Um, good news for the Rossoneri is that Liao, uh, Rafa Liao, and uh, Noah Okafor have returned to the team, so they're expected to be available on Wednesday. And I'm just wondering, obviously, with Milan bottom of the group, given their history in this competition, seven-time winners, isn't it? It, it, it? Did they come into this game with the pressure a little bit on them? Because I don't think they would have expected to be bottom of, of, the, of this group. And, you know, they're looking the less likely side to perhaps go through maybe even to, into the Europa League. So is there a sense of pressure on the team, on the manager when it comes to Europe, do you think? I mean, they have pressure in general because the start of the season hasn't been what they expected. Uh, I mean, far away from the top of the table, they haven't done well in the Champions League, as you said. It was the group of death, but still, they're Milan. So uh, they were expected to, to do something more in the group stage. Uh, I think uh, they come to this game with... Uh, less pressure than the other clubs, because as you said, uh, uh, they're the less likely to qualify. So even uh, like reading and the reports from, from, from this morning's training session and uh, talking to a few colleagues uh, who were at Milanello, they said the atmosphere was, was quite relaxed in Milanello, uh, which is strange before such an important game, but they know they have a tough game. They know it's going to be tough to beat Newcastle, especially away. But they know the fate is not entirely in their hands because they also need to see PSG defeated by Borussia Dortmund. So uh, I wouldn't say they are relaxed because they know they will most likely be eliminated from the Champions League. So this is not a relaxing situation for a club like Milan. But at the same time, they know they they can just go out on the pitch and do their best, do what they can, because uh, probably somebody else has the pressure to qualify for this group, uh, to qualify for the round of 16 which, I mean, doesn't make the Milan situation any better, really. I mean, I, I, I did read somewhere that the manager is actually under pressure, Lorenzo, for his job, um, especially with a, a legend now coming into the club and sitting above him. Um, is, that, is that so? Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty much like in England, you know, when a top side, they, they don't get the results they expect. The manager is always under pressure, even when he loses uh, two games in a row and uh, and he's still in the top four, he's still fighting for the targets. It's still under pressure. So there is pressure on Pioli, but I wouldn't say that's a pressure that would uh, see him sacked if he doesn't qualify for the round of 16 or if he loses against Newcastle. Um, I would be very surprised if uh, Pioli is confirmed for next season, but unless there is a huge downfall and they start losing many games and they, they're they no longer in the top four. Unless this happens, I expect Pioli to stay until the end of the season, of course. But there is a debate on whether Ibrahimovic will bring even more pressure to Pioli. Like yeah. Caprillo said on Tuesday that uh, he said if Ibrahimovic goes 
uh, to Newcastle, then he's going to bring even more pressure on Pioli because he knows there is a club legend watching him. Of course, Pioli and Ibra they know each other very well because they've been working together over the last three years in Milan. But I mean, the um, the statement with which Redbird confirmed Ibrahimovic return, uh, he, it's open to a little bit of everything. Of course, not coaching the team. Uh, that hasn't, hasn't been mentioned, of course. But they talk about off-the-field projects like developing the stadium, like developing the Milan brand um, in foreign markets, but also includes the players' development, uh, installing the winning culture in the players. So it's a little bit of everything. Now, Ibrahimovic is not expected to be in Newcastle tomorrow, at least for now, they're saying he's not going to be there. But you never know. It, it would be his first game as a club director, so it's uh, anything can happen, you know, with Ibra. Is there a little bit of frustration from Milan's side, Lorenzo, given that the first game against Newcastle, I think it's fair to say they should have won that game. They had so many chances. Um, Dortmund was a little bit, but so, I mean, the, have they been their own worst enemy in many ways, i.e. not taking their chances and not making, you know, their the, the dominant displays actually result in victories? Yeah, I think the, this has been the biggest issue for Milan Champions League this season. I mean, uh, uh, they wasted chances against Newcastle. They even wasted good chances against Borussia Dortmund in Germany and when they got another draw. And, you know, at this level, when you get... I mean, to the knockout stages, you know, you can't miss any chance. But the, the Milan group, the Newcastle group, is like a, it was like all knock, knockout games. So you need the same kind of attitude, you need the same kind of um, motivation, and you need the same kind of uh, being clinical in front of the goal to, you know, uh, make the most of every opportunity you have to score goals and to actually win games. When we saw that Milan couldn't make the most of their chances in the first two games, I had the feeling that they may have not go through uh, the group stage because, you know, at this level, when you miss important chances, then you're not, you're not going to have more chances to do that. So if you have one chance, you need to make the most of it. So when I saw Milan not, not scoring goals, not being clinical enough in the first two games, I feared this this could have been the end. Uh, the, the group stage could 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 have ended up like his ending. I'll let John come in with another uh, question in just a second. I just want to ask you because on Tyne's side there was there was a big debate to whether you want Newcastle United to go into the Europa League if they can't get into the group stages. Do you really want them playing, you know, uh, Sunday Thursday and the impact that could have on the domestic league? What is the train of thought over in Milan if they can't get through the knockout stage of the Champions League? Do they want Europa League football or would they rather just say that's the end of the European campaign this season, we'll concentrate on the domestic league and be back in it next season? Uh, I, I mean, I think no no player, no coach will ever say we want to be out of all European competition. So I don't think, like when, when, when Pioli and Pulisic, they speak today at the press conference, I don't think uh, they're going to say Champions League or nothing. Um, from... From a journalist's perspective, from, from the fans' perspective as well, I think uh, most don't want to play Europa League because, uh, uh, you know, European competitions are uh, demanding in terms, uh, in terms of everything, in terms of pressure, in terms of physicality. Uh, they can cause many injuries. We've seen Juventus in Serie A this season. They're not play, playing brilliant football. They're playing defensively, but they have overall a kind of fit squad they're playing one game uh, a week and they're second behind Inter. Inter are way better than Juventus and they're way better than any, any other uh, club in Serie A. But the title race is still open merely because Juventus, they've been playing one game per, one game per week. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think Milan have been hugely affected by injuries this season. They still haven't sorted out the situation. So the fewer games they play and maybe the higher chances they have if not to qualify for the, if not to like be challengers for the for the Serie A title for the Scudetto, at least to be comfortably in the top four with no issues until the end of the season and then restart from the next season. So, from my perspective, I think it's better if Milan they just go out of every European competition. But of course, it's not. I don't think it's something we're going to hear. 
Can can we just before we finish, Lorenzo, when we played out in the San Siro, uh, Sandra Tanali received a wonderful reception from the crowd, no doubt from his ex-teammates uh, and the club itself. We all know what's happened since and that he can't take part this evening, which is awful for us and a tragedy for the boy. I'm just wondering what the general feeling in Milan amongst the supporters and from the club is now about Sandro's current situation. Well, um, as you said, they're all uh, uh, sorry for the boy because uh, uh, it's something that uh, at least publicly came out from nowhere. Uh, I don't think anyone at the club at the highest levels knew what was going on with Tonali. Uh, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's just a very sad situation, and I think the um, the club, even if not directly, but at least Pioli, especially in the first, uh, uh, in the first stages, like last month when they when the whole thing broke out, uh, they've been very supportive of. Um, of Tonali again, there are two different perspectives here: the club perspective and the fans' perspective. Over the summer, everyone was furious because Tonali was seen as a club potential club legend, somebody who would stay at the club for a long time. When he returned to Milan after the first year on loan, uh, he agreed to get a pay cut, so he really showed all his commitment to Milan. Um, so nobody liked to see Tonali join Newcastle. Three 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 months later. Everyone was like looking around and saying, "We got the money for a guy who, unfortunately, has been banned for uh, for a year." So we, Milan, were able, you know, to finance all the summit, all the summit signings, uh, almost entirely through the sale of Tonali. So I think he still has solid bonds with the fans, solid bonds with the club, and. Uh, I mean, everyone would have been happy to meet him on the pitch uh, on Wednesday. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen, but uh, he still has a very solid bond with the, with the club and, and with the fans. Yeah, lo- lovely to hear. My, my uh, penultimate question to you, Lorenzo, is, is what kind of approach we'll see from AC Milan on Wednesday in terms of on the pitch? It, the first game around, Newcastle had to defend really, really well. You know, Milan pushed them and Newcastle seemed to try and absorb and hit on the on the counter. Do you think we'll see a a similar game when Milan have a lot of the ball and try and take the game to Newcastle? If Newcastle allow them. I mean, uh, one of the biggest criticism for Pioli this season has been uh, he doesn't have a plan B. Like he goes out with his mentality, he goes out with his attitude. He, like I understand him because he wasn't, a top-rated coach until a few years ago. And two years ago, he, he won the Serie A title. If, if you had asked him or anyone at the beginning of the season, no one would have expected it. So he has his ideas. He wants to bring forward his ideas. And uh, if, he's, if, if this is the, the last season at Milan, if this is the last game at Milan, which I don't think uh, is going to go until the end of it with his own ideas. So uh, regardless of the opponents, he's always tried to be dominant, to keep the ball, to play with a high intensity. Right now, I don't think it's a style that Milan can afford. We saw that against Atalanta. Like, he tried to see, to put in place some little things, you know, like Pep Guardiola, but like almost any any coach now does. Like, so the right back playing in central position, uh, helping in the build up the central midfielders. This is something that when you have a fit squad, this is something when everyone works, when everything was perfect. This is something that you can do. But when you're playing the best left back in the league as a centre back, because all the other central defenders are injured, then I think you need to be a little bit more practical and try to say, you know, we just try to be balanced and play well defensively, try to counter-attack and see what we can do and play our game like this. I don't think he's going to change his attitude. I don't think he's going to change. A lot will depend on Newcastle as well, because I know Newcastle, I mean, they're very different when they play at home or away. When you play at home, when they play at home, they're very aggressive. They they play. They look like a different team than when they play. Than when they play away. So I don't think they're going to find the same attitude from Newcastle on Wednesday. But at the same time, I do think Milan will try to play as they know and keep you know their attacking mentality. And and if they do keep that attacking mentality, Newcastle find the extra 
energy that they've lacked in the last couple of games on, on the road, and they, they managed to press high. How will how will um, Milan handle that high press of, of Newcastle? Uh, I, I mean, he's a familiar face. Ruben Loftus Cheek for um, for you guys in England. Uh, he's been uh, he's had a few. I wouldn't say highs and lows, but uh, like when he was good, he was really, really good for me. Uh, he, and I think he's the only one who has that physicality to cope with, uh, with the intensity of um, um, of English football, basically, which is superior to Italian. Um, I think uh, uh, I think he's going to be the main man to try, you know, to cope with. Uh, with Newcastle pressing, he knows the the league really well. He knows the players really well. Uh, I think Musa, the American midfielder, is going to start as well. He's quite dynamic. He's quite powerful, and he can cover different areas of the pitch as well. He's been playing as a central midfielder. He's, he's been playing a little bit wide on the left or on the right. So uh, I think these two players, uh, and we have to see. I think probably. Um, Reinders will start over Krunic. Um, so it's mainly, I mean, the, the two players who can cope with the intensity of, of Newcastle are mainly Musa and, uh, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. It's going to be an interesting one to watch. The, the last thing to do, uh, Lorenzo, is just to ask you how you think the match is going to go. What's your prediction? <laughs> I don't think it's going to, I mean, I'd be very surprised if Milan uh, win in Newcastle. Uh, because right now they're they're in a they're in a bad position. I think uh, uh, I think Newcastle will win. I don't know. Uh, I, I, maybe like two one or three two could be good. Uh, I mean, not good because they're going to be out of the competition. But I expect goals and I expect Newcastle to win. I, I'd be very surprised if if Milan win. But of course, for Italian football, we all know we all hope it happens. <laughs> Well, there we go. Lorenzo, thank you very much for popping up the podcast. It's much appreciated. And uh, yeah, we will catch up with you very soon. Thank you for having me, guys. Cheers, Lorenzo. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we go. Uh, Lorenzo Batoni, editor of Football Italia. Thank you to Lorenzo for providing the insight in to EC Milan. Some fascinating things that he said there. And I know he said... Um, in response to your question, John, about the manager being under pressure, that he doesn't think... Um, you know, he'll go even if Newcastle beat Milan on Wednesday. But he, I have to say, I, I wasn't overly convinced by his answer. No, I, I think the manager's on the slippery slope. But like all things, it doesn't necessarily mean that a defeat tomorrow night will be the one that pushes him over the edge of the cliff. But I think the cliff's looming. And I'm not saying that it's justified or not. I don't see enough of Milan to know the answer to that. But certainly all the word is, and the word is also that the last person you want sitting above now making observations is an absolute legend of the club, which is what he's now inherited. You really need that, like, no tomorrow. Um, but really, we aren't concerned about that. That I'm not bothered what happens to their manager. I'm bothered what happens to our, our team. Yeah, no, no, indeed. And But I do think Eddie Howe will be looking for every little advantage and he'll be looking at AC Milan. And, and again, interesting, Lorenzo talking about their, the manager sticking to his guns, even despite the fact he hasn't got the players to play the way yeah. he wants. And we know it's in James's Park. If all the elements are together. So, as I said there, Lorenzo, if the Newcastle United side managed to find that little bit extra that's been lacking of late... That's going to come because they've got the crowd behind them. If they rise to the occasion and we see in the first tackle it getting cheered, the first clearance it getting cheered, and then they can press high, you know, if the Milan manager is going to stick to how he wants to play, Newcastle have got a really good chance to exploit that. Yeah, they have. I mean, it was a little smile when I was listening to it because it's almost like listening to the definition of Eddie Howe. He knows exactly, I'm not saying Eddie hasn't got a plan B, but he certainly doesn't want to use it. He, he wants to be front foot, high press, and it doesn't matter if there's 11 blokes sitting um, 
in a hospital room, he will still play that way. And um, I admire Eddie for that, but the trouble is, once you get absolutely exhausted the way we are, it is almost impossible to ask a team to play at such a high press and, and high velocity as Newcastle play. But yes, I mean, I go back to what I said at the beginning of this podcast, and we, we've both said many times before, I think the reason we've got a real chance is not the way AC Milan are playing, not the way we've played the last two games, but the fact that we're playing at St James's Park. Mm. I mean, I, I think that is the difference tomorrow night. We have 50,000 mad Jodies, including me and you, behind them. Yeah, 100%. And it is going to make a big, big difference. And we're going to see just how important the crowd really are and just how much Newcastle United... Um, or better at home because that's where the results have been coming despite the injury oh. and we're going to see once again hopefully um, as you, you say quite often John can they go to the well once yep. more um, in terms then of Newcastle United side now assuming Sean Longstaff is fit he comes back in for Lewis Miley we, we would assume I think yeah that's what we think yes. and I feel harsh for the lad and I know we've, we spoke to it spoke uh, about it just before Lorenzo came on there, but I do wonder whether potentially you could see Lewis Miley, Sean Longstaff, and Bruno across the middle with Joe Linton out on the left and Anthony Gordon maybe out on the right. Uh, I wonder if that's something that could potentially happen. And then you you have Joe Linton um, protecting uh, Livermento on on the left, and obviously Gordon and Trippier working well together. I know Miggy. Is an absolute workhorse, and I know those who are paid up members of the Miguel Almiron fan club. I'm joking, you don't. There's no payment. It's a fictional fan club, but I am the, the founder of the fictional fan club. Um, you'll be saying, "What you're dropping Miggy for Milan?" But you know, it it, it happened. It happened in the San Siro. Murphy started, if I'm not mistaken. So we might see it again if Longstaff is fit. What would would you, if that was the team, John? Them three across the middle, Long, uh, Jolinton on the left, and Gordon on the right. Would you be shocked? No, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, because you can't pick a current Newcastle team on who are the best players when there's a, a full chunk of petrol and when they're absolutely on the top of their form. Because you would go Almirin and Gordon in a centre-forward and you would go Big Joe... Bruno and Longstaff across the middle, etc., etc. You would do that. But only Eddie knows when he's seeing them day by day who is at empty, who's lowering the snow, snake's belly, who's dragging his feet through the door in the morning to come to training, not because they don't want to, but because it's so physically hard. Only he can see all that. I wouldn't be surprised by any of that. I don't think it's it'll happen. I think the young lad would be the one to step down. Um, and I've hastened to add that I would never use the word drop because that would be an absolute insult to one of the greatest talents we have seen in an awful long time, young talent. So it wouldn't be that at all. And Eddie would make certain that Lewis knew that as well. Um, there's absolutely no question there. The one of the... Uh, I mean, I would bring Wilson in for Isaac because Isaac has looked absolutely on empty for for all his comeback games for all he nicked a couple of goals early on his overall display and he was forced to play 90 minutes in most of those when he was quite obviously not up to it he's nowhere near his fitness he might look better coming off the bench for half an hour or something beneath that so I would start Wilson and I would start um, Longstaff I would also start and I'm only bringing the subject up because with some fans it'll exist, I would also start with Trippier, despite him having two of the most horrendous games that he's ever had in his whole career, I think, the last two. Uh, but you know that you've lost him against Fulham because he's banned, and there's no way that Eddie Howe is going to make his favourite lieutenant look anything like a scapegoat by dropping him from Milan and then he's forced to be out against Fulham. So he said, that is making a public statement about somebody that he absolutely adores. And I think Trip, I mean, he could, he could lose, bring Levermento across and use either Dumbledore or Hall at left back. But I don't think he will. I think 
Trippier is nailed on, especially when he's got to go out the next game. And knowing Trippier's mentality, I mean, the last thing Tripp's wanted after what happened to him with Everton is Son to go from centre forward to outside left mind. Because what a player he is. He he goes under everybody's radar because he's South Korean and they're not one of the big hitters in world football. But he's world class. He is a wonderful player, a visionary and a darn nice guy. I mean, not nice enough to leave his old mate alone, Trips, because they were together at, at uh, Spurs, of course. But no, the, the Trippier situation, I fully expect Trippier to play. Yeah, and given his experience and his talent and his ability, you feel like this is the occasion to rise to for Kieran Trippier. And like you say, he's out of the game on Saturday against Fulham. And given what went on against Everton Spurs, you feel like you're going to see a Kieran Trippier performance that we saw a month ago, six weeks ago. You know, the Kieran Trippier who's, I think, blown everyone's mind at the fact he's still playing at such a high level at such an age, week in, week out. And look, mistakes are going to happen. He's going to have bad performances. Um, he'll have another bad performance this season, no doubt. It's just happened. It's consecutive games. But I think, given his mentality, given his hunger and desire to still be the very best he can be, I think we'll see a, a top-class performance from Trippier on Wednesday. The other question, John, um, is it left-back? You would assume it would be Livermento. Lewis Hall will remain on the bench. Then you look at the defence now. Lascelles has been looking a little bit tired. You uh, raised the question about was he was he fit after the dead leg? Um, again, yeah. he looked out of sort against, against Tottenham. Um, but look, there's reports Dan Byrne could return at least to the bench on uh, Wednesday. I think it would be a little bit too early to throw him back into the starting eleven and, and have Fabian Cher and Dan Byrne. And again, a little bit like uh, Kieran Trippier, that would be a big statement to be to, to make. You, you, you'd be kind of saying, as you said there, here's the scapegoat, i.e. Jamal LaSalle's get out of the team. Unless Botman's made a sudden recovery, it's going to be the same back four, isn't it? Yes, it is. There's, I don't think there's much question about that. I think the only two changes at the start, barring something we don't know, and with Eddie, there's always something we don't know, i.e. somebody's got off his bed and ails and is wearing the go and is fit. Or alternatively, one of the regulars is carrying an injury we know nothing about and won't know anything about till around 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. Outside of that, I would think that the back, the back line will be as per. I think Jamal has done sensationally since he come back in the side. I think he was far from fit in the last game. Um, but I'm saying that as a plus to him, not as a minus, because he, he was willing to play and willing to carry on. Um, there's mistakes in him. Everybody, you know, has got their place in the pecking order. Pope is number one, De Bruyne is number two. Botman's number one, Lascelles is number two. Um, and that won't change. And Lascelles will make some of the mistakes he made in the old days because it's second nature or because he lacks a little pace or because he doesn't read it good or because somebody runs off his shoulder. He will continue to make mistakes, but they've got less and less and the good points have got bigger and bigger. And that's been wonderful. But um, I don't think this is the particular match because there's not a lot of wiggle room. And, you know, if Burns almost there, I don't, you know, he's more likely, as you said, to get on the bench and come on. I mean, would you risk starting Longstaff, Wilson and Byrne well, against AC Milan, the match you must win, bearing in mind the length of time they've been out? But that's the key I question, isn't it? Some, some would argue... I, I wouldn't, personally, no. but... I think he will I start Wilson. I, th- I still, I think he will start Longstaff simply because they've got minutes under the belt against Spurs. And I think people would be split on the idea. You know, if you have players coming back, let's say, I mean, it's not going to happen. Let's say Harvey Barnes suddenly makes the bench. Maybe you do lack at that, and you, and you say, look, Newcastle and I need to win this game. This is a massive game, one of the biggest games in Newcastle's recent history. You lose here, you're out of the competition. Now, what do we want? Do we want to progress? And and, and the, the viewpoint from some is that you would risk them. You would risk them to win and get through the next stage. Yeah, but we, we know Eddie, don't we? And you don't think... I think you would see them all in the game at some stage of the game. But how many gambles are you going to start where you start a player 
you start Longstaff, you start Wilson, you, you start Byrne, etc. They might last half an hour. The first time they go into a tackle, they may limp out, and then are you and you introduce them via the bench in the same way as you did with Longstaff and Wilson at Spurs. Hmm. I mean, it's everybody's opinion and world's about opinion. And since social media come, some of the opinion is so wild at times and so vicious at times against players. Yeah. When when you read some of the stuff on social media, if fans who are supposed to be Newcastle fans saying there's certain things about Newcastle players, I think you mentioned it on the last podcast, you know, please let us not get down that personal uh, road. Let us comment about whether a player is in current form or not, whether a player maybe should be rested or not. But let's not get vicious where we take them apart and make their life not worth living. No, I I, I agree with you there, John. Um, we talked to Lorenzo about the Milan approach with regards, would you take Europa League uh, instead of the Champions League? Um, look, let's be honest about this. You should, I think, as a Newcastle United fan, and as you quite rightly said there, everyone's opinion is valid. Me, as a Newcastle United fan, I want Newcastle in the Champions League. I know they've suffered because of the schedule of late. If the Champions League isn't doable, I want them in the Europa League. I think European football is is crucial to their development, to, to where they want to go. They'd stand a good chance, I think, in the Europa League as well. But people are split on this. Some people want Newcastle out of Europe altogether. They've enjoyed the experience, but they think the injuries are taking the toll. They want to have the best chance of qualifying for the Champions League through the Premier League. So they want out of the competition, out of Europe, and save the legs for the domestic cups and the Premier League. Others want to drop into the Europa League because uh, they'll sign a better chance of winning it, better chance of progression. Other people want the Champions League. Where do you stand, John? Well, I, I think we are very the first where we're coming from originally. We are in a very different position to AC Milan. I mean, AC Milan's won the Champions League seven times. Uh, they won Serie A with Tenali only a couple of years back. They won the semi-final of the Champions League last season, got knocked out by Inter. So they're used with Europe. If they're going to go through a little spell, let's get out of Europe completely if we're not in the Champions League. We are different. We don't go in Europe an awful lot. So I'm of the situation whereby I want us to stay in the, like you, I want us to stay in the Champions League. I want us to go in the Europa Cup if we don't. And if we have to do the domestic, then let's do the domestic. And then let's go and win the Carabao Cup and have a real go in the FA Cup. Um, but biggest can't be choosers. We, we'll take the hand we're dealt. It's absolutely true that with injuries, you can say we can't afford this workload. But what what happens if we come to January, everybody's fit, but we're already out of Europe and out of the Carabao Cup because we lost somehow at Chelsea and we've only got the FA Cup left and try to scramble back up the league. It would seem very, very flat. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. That's a wonderful thing with opinion. And we'll never know whether we're right or wrong because it'll never be proved. You know, if we stay in Europe, we can't prove we would have been better out of it and got better results. It, it doesn't happen. It's all a matter of opinion. But I think having waited so long and had so little of Europe for so many years, I would like still to be in Europe after Wednesday night. Preferably the Champions League, but the Europa League, if if not. And by the way, as for winning the Europa League, um, I don't mind Manchester United coming out and going in it with us because we'll smack them any day you want. But we're going to have to beat Liverpool. And at the, <laughs> at the moment, they're a jinx to us, believe you me. They, and, 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 you know, Villa will win the next bottom league yeah, we yeah. can go into. Yeah, uh, yeah for me... Chapman's League is, is, has got to be the, the, the number one priority. And if not, the Europa League, as I said, Europe of some form is what you want um, this season to continue. And I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Goodness me, I think that sneeze was because we agreed on something. And I'm not I'm not used to it. I'm allergic to us agreeing on it, John. It's um, Andrew, it's happening more and more. You, you must be getting frightened. <laughs> it is, it is. I'm getting old. I'm getting old. More wise, perhaps, in my uh, elderly age. Um, how's it going to go then? On Wednesday, are Newcastle going to win? Yes. Um, I'm saying that with both heart and, and head. Um, heart, desperately so. Uh, head, I believe it. Um, and the reason I believe it, and I come back and I don't want to over ice the cake or whatever, but I believe it because it's at St. James's Park. 
and 50,000 want it. And they will lift the... They won't get it, Newcastle, at any stage. They will spend an hour and a half, whatever the score is, solidly buying this team. In the hope that if we're 1-0 down, we scored two in the last 10 minutes and we're through. So, I think... I think we will raise our spirits, raise our morale, raise our tired legs and win. As you rightly know... It's not just about that. We can do that and still be out of the Champions League. It depends what happens in Dortmund. But I said immediately after our tragedy of Paris Saint-Germain with that penalty, and we can't start feeling sorry for ourselves against that, that cost us two points, which would have been it put a very different complexion on the game tomorrow night, mind, if we'd got those two points. But we didn't because we were robbed of them. Um, but we need Dortmund to stop Paris Saint-Germain winning. I think they will. Dortmund are too good a side, even if they've qualified, and Paris Saint-Germain aren't what they think they are. I think Dortmund will beat uh, Paris Saint-Germain or stop them winning, and we will sneak it exhaustedly, and we will still be in the Champions League when I go home tomorrow night. I hope you're right. I think Newcastle will beat AC Milan. I think everything you've said about the, the role of the, the crowd back and that the players will definitely come into it and I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory and I was confident that Dortmund would beat PSG because PSG can't defend uh, and Dortmund from what you, you think you know are a good side but if you look at their form of late John and I wish I hadn't googled it through your answer there because you were inspiring me about the next round and I was fully confident of it as well but they are not on a, in a good run of form they've only won once in their last six games and the loss to RB Leipzig over the weekend and got a man sent off as well. And that was at home. So... They've done <laughs> that in the league though, haven't they? They've done that in the league before big European games. And then up they've come in the big European game. People will look at us. If they look at the result of Bournemouth and Spurs, they'll think we lose tomorrow night automatically. Well, we won't lose automatically. However, I'm, I, I take the... Listen, with Geordie Luck... We're talking about whether Dubravka's going to be fit. With Geordie Luck, we, we will win 2-0 here. Um, Dortmund will be winning 1-0 there. They'll put up four minutes extra time and PSG will score twice in that. That's the sort of look I've said and I'm sick of saying on this programme, for goodness sake, find me Lady Luck. I'm going to put a 20 grand thing, reward for finding Lady Luck and bringing her and parading her at St James's Park in the centre circle before the game. Because if we could find her, we would be okay. Yeah, well, fingers crossed she appears on Wednesday night and helps Newcastle United get all three points against Milan and Dortmund to beat PSG as well. Newcastle do indeed get through to the next stage of Europe's elite competition. I've been Andrew Musgrove, joined by John Gibson. This has been the match preview on the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you to Lorenzo for joining us earlier on the show to provide the insight into EC Milan. And thank you to you guys for watching and listening. Please hit follow or subscribe depending on what platform you join us through. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including everything Eddie Howe had to say ahead of this game against Milan. And of course, live coverage through our dedicated match blog on Wednesday evening of Newcastle United versus EC Milan. <laughs>